Also want to thank God for the presence of the Holy Spirit that has met us here, that has kept us through another trying week that we're able to assemble together in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't want to forget our Wednesday evening Bible study right now in the book of Genesis and, and really in-depth study in the life of Joseph. I'll tell you the word of God will truly bless you. There are going to be several things that will pass before your presence on the screen. Do your best and whatever is humanly possible to pay attention to those. There are a few folks here today that I haven't seen in a few weeks, so we want to welcome you back into the house of God. How many are grateful today just to be here? Come on, give the Lord a praise. You're grateful just to be here. As we are on the eve of, a, of a, one of the summer's last holidays and that of Labor Day, I saw a post recently that said, hey, you guys that haven't done any work, turn those grills off. You haven't done any work. Uh, but for all those folk who have labored and your efforts have not gone unnoticed, amen, we want to celebrate the very goodness of God um, on tomorrow. So I encourage you to be safe in all your endeavors. Continue to practice those things that we have that have kept us safe to this point while we are still praying for all those individuals who are on the front lines of battle against this global pandemic. Praise God. We've said from the very beginning that we're not going to live in fear. We're not going to allow fear to immobilize or cripple us. But we're going to live in complete faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know there are many questions that have crossed the minds of numerous people. And Pastor, what, what will our next move be? Well, God willing, and the rapture don't take place, we'll be here Wednesday night for Bible study. What about after that? God willing, and the rapture doesn't come, we'll be here next Sunday morning for worship service. In the meantime, let me encourage you to pray for those lesser fortunate folk. Let me encourage you to pray for those who physically are not able to be here. For those who are watching today by way of the internet and social media. Those who are listening to today's service. I want to minister a couple of verses in your presence today as you're standing today. In the book of Hebrews, we believe Paul's writing, Paul's letter to the Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter number 6, verses 19 and 20. If I fail to do so, let me say again how grateful we are that you have graced our presence. That you are here today to receive the word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter number 6, verses 19 and 20. Hebrews 6, 19, 20. Are you there? We spoke a little bit last week about the anchors in the storm. Anchors in the storm. We want to continue that today in our next message. And the word of the Lord so states, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence beyond the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Bible said we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. He went beyond the veil and served as the forerunner. His name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Who has become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Father, we thank you again for allowing us to Embrace your presence to join together collectively as the corporate body of Christ, Lord, assembled in this place. We thank you for the freedoms that you have granted us as your beloved children. And now, God, we pray the presence of the very Holy Spirit, that he would go before us in this service ministering to the hearts and lives of his people attending to their respective needs as we know that only He 
is capable of. Many today are lost without a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's our prayer that through your preached word, someone would realize today their great need of a Savior. Touch those, Father, who are sick, those who are not feeling well. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to calm the troubled minds of not only our people but our world. Whatever you accomplish in us today, we will both be subject and careful to give you praise. In Jesus' name, God's church said amen and amen. You might be seated in the very presence of the Lord. I was speaking with a gentleman yesterday in casual conversation. He told me it was pretty amazing how God used last week's service to bring to his remembrance a situation where he was on a troubled body of water and how the quick thinking of another person possibly saved them from a major accident. And I said all that to say this. We can understand that in the Lord today that we have an anchor, but unless we know how to properly apply it, it's pretty useless to us. Am I right? Unless we know how to use it as it is intended, then it can become of no value. So I want to share a thought today in your presence, the worth of the anchor. The worth of the anchor. When we use the word worth, we automatically begin to connect it with monetary value. What, what is it equivalent to? In terms of money. But I think the biblical definition helps us to understand that it evolves around the qualities that are distinct to an individual. And the anchor, of course, is an object most often made of metal that's used to secure a vessel, a ship, a boat on a body of water. Now, it can be made of other materials and or substances, but most commonly, it is made of metal. In our text today, Paul is writing to reveal God's infallible purpose in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the never failing purpose of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to offer us many things. Of the most important ones, he came to offer us salvation. He came to offer us the body of believers known today as Christians. Jesus came to offer us hope. How many are grateful today that we have a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ? The word hope as defined by the world would differ from ours as believers. You'd say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I understand. Well, our hope differs from that of the world because the world's hope is built upon desires that hang on the uncertainty of varying expectation. After a season of drought and we get a hint that it's possibly going to rain, Brother Marty, we, we use the phrase, I hope we'll get some rain on tomorrow. But how many of us know that varying circumstances could alter that reality? Have I any witnesses today? How many of you know that just a slight change in wind direction could blow any cloud off course. Oh my, have you ever been riding down the road and seen it raining in one place and it would be dry in another just a few feet apart? That's why that I say, Brother Barnes, today that our hope is not as the world. Glory to God, somebody. Why? Because our hope is not an expectation. But our hope today as the people of God is based on a fact. And what's a fact? It's a body of evidence that supports truth. And what is that truth? That Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God who came into the world to save sinners of whom were we? Oh my, 
Oh, man, I don't know if this is sinking in, but I want you to know today the worth of the anchor. I want you to know, glory to God, the qualities of the anchor. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews that there would no more have to be shed blood that would stand as the substitutionary sacrifice for the sins of mankind because the Bible said that Jesus, the precious Lamb of God, He came and He freely gave His life one time for the sin of the entire world aren't you thankful today that Jesus will never have to die again he'll never have to die again and in Paul's writings Paul tells us that Jesus was a forerunner can anybody tell me what a forerunner is you know what a forerunner is didn't the Bible say that John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus Christ can anybody tell me what a forerunner is he's like a scout in other words sister Murtis he will go ahead of the party and he will survey the situation and he'll let us know if it's safe for us to come on across how many of you know today that Jesus was our forerunner and that Jesus ascended into the heavenly holy of holies glory to God and is now seated at the right hand of God making intercession for you and I that's where our hope differs from that of the world this is not a fairy tale this is not fiction this is not based on a Marvel comic book but this is the accurate Inerrant word of the living God. And Paul said that he entered in for us. Glory to God. And he has become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Somebody ought to help me uh, preach today. He's paved our way into heaven, into the very uh, presence of God. And without Jesus, we would be denied access. But thank God, because the middle wall petition, amen, was torn down and the veil was ripped into we now have access unto God through Jesus Christ whoa that's a good place to give him praise that's a good place today to give God glory do you know the worth of your anchor when life is tossing your vessel to and fro, can I get a witness from somebody that knows in Jesus Christ you've got a sure anchor? Can I get a wave offering from somebody that would say to me today, I've been tossed and driven on life's stormy seas. Oh, but glory to God, in the midst of the storm, I heard Jesus say, peace, be still. He's a sure anchor. Do you know the worth of your anchor today? Thank God that he entered into heaven itself. Beyond the veil. Hallelujah. Into the very presence of God. As our forerunner. Many years ago. During the Nazi Holocaust. There was a Dutch watchmaker. Who later became a known writer who penned a popular book called The Hiding Place. And this lady helped Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during a horrible time in the history of the Jewish people. Her name was Corrie Ten Boom. And here's what Corrie said, and I quote, In order to realize the worth of the anchor, we need to feel the stress of the storm. Somebody missed it. It bears repeating. Somebody missed that God's trying to bless somebody. Somebody, sister, amen, is going through a storm right now. But God is telling you, you won't go down. God's telling you today, if you'll just listen for his voice, he's whispering, amen, even in the wind, he's going to let us know that everything is going to be all right. She said, in order to realize the worth of the anchor, we need to feel the stress of the storm. This ought to comfort somebody today. It doesn't matter what the storm's intensity is. It doesn't matter what category, amen, that they label it. Does anybody hear me? 
I'm talking about wind speed. They say that the, the latest hurricane to hit the continental United States had one of the highest recorded land wind speeds ever. Some gusts were in excess of 170 miles per hour. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter how intense the storm is. It doesn't matter how high the storm surge rises. It doesn't matter, glory to God, with what frequency the waves beat against the shore and cause erosion. I want you to know that I know the worth of my anchor. I want you to know that even in the storms of life, we've got a sure foundation in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know that even though the winds may howl, glory to God, and the sea may rage, I want you to know that God is still on the throne. He's still overseeing the affairs of his own children, of which I am one. I don't know what you've been through in your life, but I can testify for what I've walked, amen. I can tell somebody in this room today that I'd have never made it if I hadn't had Jesus. I'd have never kept my sanity if I hadn't had the Lord. I'd have never stayed healthy if I didn't know how to depend upon the word of God. Do you know the worth of your anchor? The worth of your anchor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this is only a test. Come on, I need you to say it with conviction today. Neighbor, this is only a test. Hallelujah. I remember when you didn't even have TVs in the house. Some of y'all like, Pastor, you're going way back there now. But I remember when you used to have radios. My mother said people were the beatest thing they ever saw. They had a program called The Squeaking Door. My mama said it was based on like a, a horror background. My mama said it didn't matter what you were doing. If that program came on the air and you heard that door, she said, boy, make all the hair on the back of your neck stand up. You know what I said? I said, I wish to preach word of God had that kind of effect on people today. I wish that when the men and women of God anointed to call and declare his word, I wish to God when they would speak, the hair would rise up on people and people would feel prompted to do something about their lost condition. But you know what? It's not going to keep me from sounding the alarm. I want you to know, saints of God, this is only a test. When we, when we finally moved into television, praise the Lord, the emergency broadcasting system periodically would come on there. Amen. And it would tell us not to be disturbed. Matter of fact, Sister Murders, it would say the trouble is not in your set. Anybody hear what Y'all don't want to hear what I'm saying. Oh, some of y'all remember going out in a storm and your family telling you, turn that antenna this way. And turn that. You're like, man, it's lightning out here. If you lost your last mind, praise the Lord. Some of us come in here standing up like that, right? Turn, oh, 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 right there. That's it. But the emergency broadcasting system said the trouble is not in your set. I wanted to tell somebody, praise the Lord, that this is only a test. This is only a test. The world says a test is a critical examination, an observation, or even a thorough evaluation. But biblically, the word test is defined by the act of proving by trial. How many of us know there's no testimony Without a test. Brother Robert, the only one going to help me. I said there's no testimony without a test. I determined as a child, praise the Lord, that they gave us tests in school to see what information we retained. They wanted to find out if we were paying attention. Am I right? Somebody said we ain't been the same since you took prayer out of school. I don't know about you. I prayed my way all the way through school. Hello, somebody. Oh, some of y'all got A's and B's, and now y'all sitting up in here like you don't want to admit that you prayed in school. But let me tell you, this is only a test. And you know something, whether we acknowledge it or not, testing is valuable in our lives as the people of God. You see a brother or sister pop in the church and talk about everything they've done for God, and the devil ain't done them no harm, they on the wrong bus. They on the wrong bus. Because anybody that's doing anything to stop the advancement of the kingdom of Satan, you won't have words like that to say. But in reality, 
you'll speak about how intense the trials were. You'll speak about how hot it got. And all that Satan threw at you, look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, it's only a test. Let's look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Don't answer this. Don't answer this. But when's the last time you thank God for a trial? Don't answer this. Some of you are lying to church. Don't answer it. But I want you to think about it. I want that to marinate in your spirit. And I want you to recall to mind when the last time was that you thanked God for a trial. Isn't this what James said? James said, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Oh, my. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Oh, my, do you know that in the Bible the word anchor is used metaphorically to represent both faith and God? Can you tell somebody that testing produces blessing? Come on, say testing produces blessing. You can tell people aren't growing because you can't see their blessing. You can tell they're not enduring trials and testing because you can't see their blessing. But when you see the blessing, you understand what testing produces. Without testing, we will never fully develop. Without testing, we will never reach spiritual maturity. Without testing, we will never reach wholeness in God. Oh my, somebody shout praise God. But when the testing is over... We stand by the grace of God after we have persevered and after we have done what? After we have been faithful. Glory to God. We stand to what? He tells us in verse 12. He said, listen, if we stand the test, Zach, if we are faithful and if we are obedient and if we persevere, we stand the test. And then James said, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, does testing produce blessing? Are we all not looking to receive the crown of life? You say, Pastor, I don't even know if I know what that means. Everlasting life. After we've endured the testing, Brother Tommy, then we receive the blessing. Can I help somebody? They don't give out trophies till it's over. Help me, saints of God. They don't crown the champion till the battle is over. Can I bless somebody in this house? I don't care how excited you get in the first and second quarter. How many know it ain't over? Yogi Berra said to the fat lady sings. How many of y'all know in baseball, that's until the ninth or the extra inning period has been resolved? How many of you know that in football and basketball, it's when the time runs out on the clock and one team has scored more than the other? Well, what are you trying to say to me, Pastor? I'm going to tell you that if we endure, amen, if we are faithful and we persevere unto the... What, is, what does persevere mean? It means to go on in spite of the difficulties. That's what it means. Instead of belly aching and mumbling and grumbling and complaining and sitting on the pity pew, wanting everybody to feel sorry for you, it means I'm going to, amen, help the rubber meet the road. I'm going to put my shoulder up to the wheel. Amen to God. And I'm going to hold out and hold on to see what the end is going to be. This is only a test. Some people, they walk in the house of God and you can tell. You can tell they're already bogged down. You can tell that they're mentally, emotionally, or spiritually overloaded. You want to know how I can tell? Because you can't get your praise on. Oh, yeah. Can't get your praise on when you're overloaded. When you're overwhelmed by the cares and the affairs of the world. When things are weighing you down, it's hard for you to give your all to God. But I want to tell you that he promises us in his letter to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13. Everybody braced and ready for this. 
tell you, neighbor, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. For no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. You know what that word common means? You know what that word common means? That word common means it's an everyday occurrence. Somebody's GPS has found the church. Somebody give the Lord praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Y'all even hesitant to clap. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We've heard it quoted. We've read it. We've seen it displayed. But do we understand it? Are you listening to me, saints of God? Do you understand it? We are never impervious to sin or to temptation. Does anybody in here feel like you're sin-proof? I ain't getting too many amens there. Does anybody in here feel like that we are exempt from sin? Okay, then I'm preaching to the right crowd. Because our loving Father has provided an escape route for us. His name is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah to God. And He's already told us, saints of God, that we have an escape route. When the heat gets turned up, He can help us to be like Joseph. We can run clean out of our clothes to get away from sin. But let me tell you one thing. If we want to entertain sin, we're going to find ourselves overwhelmed by our formidable foe. Now I didn't say that Satan had power over you because God has given us power everything over everything including all the power of the devil. But brother Anthony if he dangles that bait in front of us long enough and he gets us to think about it long enough then we'll act on it and before you know it he's yanked that rope and he's pulling us in. But sister Lucy the Bible said that God has given us an escape route that person is the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost warns us, it's time for us to turn about face and to go in another direction. Amen, somebody. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching to the right house, aren't I? Oh, I want you to know, praise the Lord, that we need to proceed in this journey called life with caution. So that we guard against becoming too enamored, too fascinated by sin. And we lose out with God. Don't kid yourself. Sin is fun. I said sin is fun. There are a lot of folk tell you, y'all you don't, don't have no fun as Christians. Y'all got to walk around. You can't even. Y'all don't have no fun. As Christians. But let me tell you what I don't need. I don't need any concoction that the world has put together to make me have fun. Some of y'all can't wait till they legalize marijuana. Then you can say, Pastor, I got mine on a prescription. Some of you own more dope now than, than, than other people. I'm going to preach this if it hair lips the devil or not. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now there are more Christian people on dope than there are sinners. I'm going to be honest with you, it's a sad shame in the world that Christian people have to get connected with these rehabilitation sites and facilities because they have problems with obituates, with drugs. It's the truth. And we're running around here scared to death to take a COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, I'm going to preach it while I'm here because we'll take everything else the doctor gives us. And the pharmacist will say, do I need to explain the side effects? No, nah, honey, that's all right. And we paid for it, and we left the pharmacy, and we take one as the doctor ordered. Preach, Pastor Terry, preach. I'm not going to stand here and lobby for it or against it. I'm going to tell you what you need to do is seek the face of God. And in so doing, God will tell you what you need to do. And then you won't get to blame it on the preacher. Somebody said, be careful now, Pastor. This is going out on social media. I can't help if it's going out on CNN. It's the loving God's truth. It's the truth. People say, 
People say, I'm not, I'm not partaking it. They will adamantly say, son, they will defiantly say, I'm not taking no vaccine. That's what they'll say. That's a choice that needs to be made by every individual. So you'll never hear me stand from this pulpit and promote to do or not to do. No more than you'll hear me promote who you need to vote for. Because the last thing in the world I need to hear is a bunch of disgruntled Christians talking about who the president is. Somebody voted for him. You're like, Pastor, we need to get back on track. Now you're running rabbit. I ain't running a single rabbit. I'm just trying to tell you that I know how we are as people. And I know that we're so fickle that we'll take every drug that a doctor gives us. And you know something? You know what the latest pitch is? That's not FDA approved. You better check your over-the-counter medicine. Because it ain't FDA approved either. Some of y'all are like, Lord, you're starting to scare the heebie-jeebies out of me now. Well, can I tell you that God's greater than all your problems? Can I tell you today that God is greater than all your problems and your worries and your disappointments and your heartache and your setback? Can I tell you that God is greater than every single one of them and them put together? Yes, he is. He's greater than all of them. Let me tell you something. If you've not faced a life full of difficulty, you ain't lived. I said, if you had not faced a life full of difficulty, you haven't lived. But as soon as you live, you're going to face some difficulties. You're going to face some unforeseen thing that you never in your wildest dream imagined like COVID-19. You're going to face some of those things. But how many of you know today that through Jesus Christ, God has given us the victory? You're like, Pastor, you done left us out here. Pastor, you done left us out here in no man's land. Now we out here in limbo. No, I'm trying to tell us that I know the value of my anchor. Do you know the value of your anchor? Oh, bless God. Oh, my, it's all about faith. You know the value of your anchor? You don't have to look around the world too far today and tell that many people are in need of emotional healing. Can I get one amen? I said, you don't have to look around this world. Somebody said, man, this, this, this pandemic is a bad problem. Well, we've had one that's greater than it as long as we've existed, and that's the pandemic of sin. If we could get as focused on eradicating it out of society as we do everything else, what a, oh, my God. My God from heaven, what, what kind of people would we be? If we could get focused enough to get those persons who have allowed the demons of hell to seduce them and pull them away from their destiny in God. If we could get so focused on winning those people for the glory of God, the way we can focus our energy on other stuff. My God, what a people we would be. Emotional healing. The ability to acknowledge events and circumstances in our lives that may hinder us from moving forward. For heaven's sake, don't sit nobody down and tell them to tell you about your childhood. You sit folk down, say, let me hear about your childhood. And the first thing they say, well, well, we was poor. Can I ask you a question? Who in here over 40? Remember, we was all poor. I told my wife the first time that I took my parents to a fast food restaurant. They had no idea what to order. You want to know why they didn't have any idea what to order? Because they never indulged themselves. In said places. Man, if you worked in the fields and you got an RC and a, a backer cracker. Boy, I felt the slack when that come back. Some of y'all said, what was a backer cracker? It was a cheap, it was one of those square orange nabs with peanut butter. Right. And you know why we got RCs? Can somebody shout it to me? Y'all don't know? They had two more ounces. They had a different crate for the RC. Listen, somebody goes back there right now, and the next thing you know, I need, I need emotional healing. I was scarred. 
I was scarred in my life. I sure was, and a lot of it was for the wrong I did. Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. What's a welt? That's not a large sea creature that lives in the ocean mispronounced. No, that's one of them things that rises up on your leg when you got cut with a switch. That's what it was. Somebody forgot, Lord, <laughs> killed a vision. Can I help somebody in this room today? Can I tell you that people suffer from emotional situations because, can I tell you? Because of a number of things. They suffer from emotional things because of past. They suffer from abandonment. They suffer from rejection. Many of them suffer emotionally from chronic pain and or illness. And all those things only produce a bed of symptoms like anger and bitterness and detachment and frustration. Even sleep deprivation. That's right. Because people have been emotionally scarred and they're in need of healing. But I want to help somebody. I want you to consider that our emotions are triggered by our thoughts. I said our emotions are triggered by our thoughts. Honey, Philippians 4 and 8. Philippians 4 and 8. Our emotions are triggered by our thoughts. No wonder Paul would write this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. I need to say it again. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, you playing doctor in the house today. No. I'm just telling you what a bit of research will produce. And a bit of research says that our emotions are triggered by our thoughts. So no wonder Paul says, think, think on these things. Meditate on these things. Meditate and marinate sound a lot alike, don't they? No, I don't want you to marinate on it. I want you to meditate on it. Because right thinking will win the battle going on in our lives every time. Whether we want to admit it or not, we all need emotional healing from past wounds. From past wounds. Oh my, you see in our world and our culture today, it's filled with people who are fighting emotional battles, who possess those traits that I spoke about just moments ago. Can I help you? There is no quick fix. There's no quick fix. Look at this quote. Lose what needs to be lost to find what needs to be found. If that won't do some emotional healing, you ought to look at your neighbor right now and say, neighbor, let it go. Let it go. Anybody need a release today in the house of faith? Something pressing somebody that you desperately need to let go? It's just that simple. Let it go. Trust in the Lord. Let it go. Only he can administer the healing that we need. Am I right, somebody? Because let me tell you what healing involves. You say, Pastor, you're getting ready to shoot something down I've believed all my life now. And that is divine healing. That God can heal me instantly. No, I'm not going to shoot that down. Because God is God. And God can do anything. But I want to incorporate the law of averages. Can I incorporate the law of averages? The law of averages says, Brother Arbus, that healing takes time. It's a process. I was out here on Friday doing the yard maintenance. And I had on just a thin pair of rubber boots that I could get down in the bottom of those ditches and, 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 and do my job. 
and I stepped on something. Somebody said, what was it? I didn't go back to see because it hurt so bad that I jumped and realized it had penetrated my boot, went through my sock, and into my foot. Somebody said, when the last time you had a tetanus shot? I said, I have no earthly idea. Don't really recall to mind that I have had one. But I didn't barely ache and grumble about it. I wasn't bleeding like I just had surgery. So I said, I believe I'll be all right. Somebody said, well, I, don't, I, I probably would have went back to find it so it wouldn't cause further damage. Listen, in that moment when you're in pain, that's the last thing you think about. So I want to help somebody understand something today. And that more too often than not, healing involves a process. It's a step-by-step, moment-by-moment type of thing. And it involves choosing to trust and obey God. You ever seen folk mourn from a broken heart? Have you? Have you ever saw folk grieve themselves to death? Because they lost somebody? I have. We've witnessed it right here in this church. We've seen individuals lose their spouses. And over a period of time, they just kept going down, down, and down until they died. But you know who Jesus came for other than the lost? Can I tell you that he tells us in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. There's another group he came for. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. There's another group he came for. Then the Bible said to proclaim liberty to the captive. There's another group that he came for. And recovery of sight to the blind. There's another group Jesus came for. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. You ever had the symptoms of a broken heart? Luke tells us Jesus came just for you. Oh my, Jesus came to heal the broken hearted. You say, Pastor, are there, uh, is there something in life that you can just give me to help me to cope with uh, emotional healing? Yes, I can. And I could have made this list longer, but I comprised it for the sake of time. And I thought about some of the most valuable nuggets that are just Everyday life application. Isn't that what we need after all? Some things that are just practical. Brother Marty, that we can insert into our lives every day. How about meditating on the word of God? Will that provide emotional healing? Somebody say praise the Lord. Psalm 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Meditate on the word of God. It's the word of God that brings faults to light. It's the word of God that offers strong warnings about what displeases God so that our actions, our words, and our thoughts might receive His favor. Amen. Meditation is an active thought process. Can I define it for you? It's an active thought process where we devote ourselves to the study of God's word while asking the Holy Spirit to give us understanding. That's what meditation is. Somebody said to me not too very long ago, the family member told them that they didn't have to come to church, that they could get everything they could at home. I'm going to help you right here. I'm going to help you. Some of you, listen, I'm going to make everybody glad with my next statement. Some of y'all going to be glad I came, and some of you going to be glad when I go. What you going to say to me then, preacher? If you won't discipline yourself to come to church when the doors are open, chances are you won't discipline yourself in the comforts of your house. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to get you a nice tall beverage of your choice, and you're going to fall up in your lazy boy, and you're going to pull out the word of God. 
and commit yourself to diligent study. It's a lie from hell, and I don't care if you like it or not, because the truth of the matter is, you'll forget all about God when you rear that lazy boy back. Oh, yeah, this is how it works. Because here's what the enemy says, but you tod, boss. You tod. You tithe. You don't, listen, God will understand if you don't give yourself to diligent study. How many days does it take to form a habit? 19. How many days does it take to break one? The same thing. So get mad. But I promise you right now, that the devil has got you fooled. You cannot have everything you need in the comfort of your home. Or why did Jesus die for the church? Somebody said, we don't need to go to church. We can get everything we need at the house. Jesus gave himself for the church, my friend. He died for this establishment. Not a building, but for a collective gathering of his people. No wonder he tells us in Hebrews, fail not to the assembling of ourselves together. You ever saw on those church monikers or those signs, seven days without one without prayer makes one weak? But weak isn't spelled W-E-E-K, it's spelled W-E-A-K. And that's the God's truth. I got to move on, some of y'all looking at me funny. Meditation is an active thought process where we devote ourselves as the people of God to study His Word while asking the Holy Spirit to give us understanding. Pastor, what's another way that I can apply to my life every day and it'll help me overcome emotional trauma? Those stresses, confess sin. Confess our sin. Is this what the Bible encourages us to do? 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, Pastor, I'm waiting on the breakdown. Are you ready? Confession is not just something the Catholics go to. I'm not bashing religion. But I didn't come to promote religion but relationship. How many know there have been millions of people in the world that had religion? But on top of that, scores of people who lacked relationship. Oh my. Confession implies the acknowledgement of sin. But Tommy, you know what that means? That means we go before God and we say, I'm yielded. Help me, saints. Confession means I go before God and I acknowledge, either private or public, that, I, I, Lord, I've sinned. Now, we know that God already knows it, don't we? Brother Jason, don't we know God knows everything? But why is confession important? Because it is the acknowledgement. It's our owning it, Brother Marty. It's our saying, I'm accountable. For what I've done. But you know that that's not all it involves. It involves repentance. And does anybody know what repentance means? Repentance means to turn away from. It means, Brother Barnes, to change directions. I said, Lord, not only do I confess my sin, I acknowledge them in your presence, but God, I turn away from them. Showing that I want nothing more to do with them. Tell your neighbor, confess your sin. But sadly, all those who reject Jesus and refuse to repent of their sins await eternal punishment. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 8 and 9. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out. 
so that we do not need to say anything. Verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. What kind of reward do you believe await these people? The ones who've turned. Because I want to tell you that those folks who have not turned await everlasting destruction, eternal ruin. And they will be banished from the very presence of God and separated from any kind of relationship whatsoever. Is this a truth, saints? This is the punishment that awaits those who rebel and reject God. Pastor, is there something else that I can do to help me emotionally heal? You can forgive others. Forgive others. Well, if I'm going to forgive anybody, i got to understand i got to start with God's forgiveness. How many know God's forgiveness ain't like ours? Y'all ain't want to help me now. How many of us understand God's forgiveness is not like ours? Because God's forgiveness... Involves repentance on the sinner's part and the love and grace on God's part. To forgive others, it takes the transformational power of God in our lives. Isn't that right? To forgive others. Brother Charlie, we got to be changed by God. Now, how many know that anybody can say that I forgive? But do we know that God knows the difference? Do we know that God knows the heart? And do we, know, do we know that God knows that our lips can say one thing and our heart means something entirely different? Do you know that when you're under pressure, you can say anything in front of people? Hello, somebody. There have probably been innocent people that have admitted to crimes because they were under pressure. I'm just trying to help somebody in the household of faith today. I'm just trying to tell us that our minds can be one place and our lips utter something completely different. Amen. I don't just believe that. I know that. I know that to be fact saints of God. So forgiving other people starts with understanding God's forgiveness. Let's look at Luke chapter 6, honey. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Now you help me in this room today. If the first emotion that don't come across your being when somebody's done you wrong to get them back, you ain't human. Somebody cuts you off in traffic and you want to run them off the road. You ain't human if you don't feel that way. I'm just saying, I'm going to keep it real with you. One time I said that it really annoyed me that at 55 miles an hour, somebody pulled out in front of me and turned off 15 yards from where they pulled on the road. And I said, the sorry rascal. And Brother Joe Bollinger looked at me like, Brother Terry. And my first thought was, you ain't human if you ain't thought it. Come on, quit, quit trying to walk around here like you're so heavenly minded you in an ounce of earthly good. Because I know you. Come on. Come on, I know us. And it's how we are as people. We had an encounter with Jesus Christ. We accepted the gift of salvation. But we're not impervious to sin. You're doing everything to mind your business. People call you everything but a child of God. Are y'all with me? They'll call you everything but the saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled man and woman of God you are. And I learned the best way to combat that, Brother Chris. Just hold up one finger and say, No, that's not the Dikembe Mutombo. You ain't bringing that here. 
but it's I'm not the one, and today ain't the day. Are you feeling me, somebody? Now, God didn't intend for us to be anybody's highway. I'm preaching better than you're responding. But if you're going to emotionally heal, you've got to learn to forgive others. Got to forgive others. Can I tell you all in this discourse of Scripture, Jesus wasn't talking to sinners. Who was Jesus talking to? Jesus specifically was speaking to his disciples. Anybody know what a disciple is? That's a follower of Jesus Christ. I saw a young man just yesterday and he had on a shirt. And you know what it said? Only God can judge me. In my spirit, I, in my spirit, I wanted to help a brother. But the Holy Ghost said, no, let it alone. Just leave it alone. Because that's the mindset of our world that we live in. That's the mindset of our society. Brother Greg, that's the mindset of our culture. And that is that no one is subject to authority. And people want to do their own thing outside those boundaries. It's not respectable in the sight of God. The Bible said obey those that have rule and authority over you. And then the Bible goes on to say, especially those in the Lord. A preacher stand up and preach 45 minutes to an hour on a Sunday morning, yell himself half to death, but he can't make a single soul in that sanctuary do right. Is that true? Amen. That responsibility falls on us as individuals. That we are determined to do the right thing. The musicians are coming. Jesus wasn't speaking to a general audience. But Jesus was speaking to those persons who had positioned themselves through both repentance and confession to walk in relationship with him. Walk in relationship with him. I'm going to leave you with the best nugget. And what's that? Hold fast. Hold fast what you have possession of. Do you know without a shadow of a doubt today that you're born again? Do you know that you know that you know that your name's recorded in the Lamb's book of life? You don't have to go home and get it right with nobody. You made it right with Jesus. Can I get an amen? Hold fast means to be diligent. It means to cling to. It means to take a firm grasp of. This recorded way early in the Bible. That word or phrase, hold fast. Bible uses a lot of metaphors. That's where something is used to represent something else. Okay? And when the Bible's telling us that we need to hold fast, it means we need to give painstaking care and effort to what we have. It means we need to take a grasp of it with all that we've got. It means that we need to cling to it. Like there's no tomorrow. It's all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 11, verses 22 and 23, that the Bible familiarizes us with the term, hold fast. For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. So, Brother Anthony, what was God doing here? He was telling Moses and the nation of Israel that you need to cling to, you need to take a firm grasp of what you possess and what I'm saying. This involves not taking part in anything that might pull us away from complete surrender to God and obedience to His Word. You notice that God said some things right there that were conditional. Isn't that right? 
So how many know the blessing of God can often be conditional? They can be contingent upon us doing our part so that then God can do His part. Oh my. When Paul was speaking to the church at Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 2, I want us to take note of what Paul was saying. Paul said, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preach to you unless you believed in vain. Hold fast. Get a firm grip on it. Cling to the word of God that I've preached to you. So Paul adds this qualifier. Somebody said, isn't a qualifier that person that takes part in an event or a race or something like that for which he's got to meet a certain time? Well, yes, that's one definition of the word qualifier. But another definition of the word qualifier is a word or phrase that limits or modifies the meaning of another word. So Paul uses one of the largest two-letter words in the English language. The word if. Let me tell you something. Whenever we see the word if, it should serve as an alert to us. It should serve as a warning of sorts. Helping us to know that we need to pay attention to what's following. Didn't Paul tell them they'd be saved if they held fast to the word he preached to them? then what do you think is going to happen to us if we don't cling to what we've received? Stand with me all over the building. Are you understanding what I'm saying today, saints of God? Do you understand? Let me help us in closing. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Verse number 6. If they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. Now many people would believe, have you to believe that there are many schools of thought regarding this passage of Scripture. Many people would have you believe today that this challenges our security as a believer. Many people, Brother Charlie, would say that this passage of Scripture disqualifies us from being eternally secure. And then individuals love to use this phrase. If they were truly a Christian. Young man said just weeks ago when my neighbor's son was tragically killed in a car accident. He said, I'm going to be a good Christian and go to the funeral. Even though I never got along with this person. I was prompted... I was prompted in my spirit to say I didn't know there was but one kind of Christian. And that's the one that's in relationship with Jesus Christ. There are no good or bad Christians. He looked at me with this puzzling look on his face. And in an instant I said, young man, I didn't say that to tear you down. 
I didn't say that to debase or degrade you. But I said that to help you understand that a Christian can only be defined as a person in relationship with Jesus Christ. Am I right, somebody? So I want to declare to you today in the presence of God, they'll never crucify Jesus again. Amen. They'll never crucify him again. And those who consciously and willfully reject Jesus have no hope. There's no chance of salvation for a person who has consciously and willfully rejected Jesus Christ. This is why that it's of the utmost importance today, Brother Anthony, that we know the worth of our anchor. Do we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God? That He came to save sinners such as we were? Do we know that He's now at the right hand of God making intercession for us as His children? Do you know the value? Do you know the worth of your anchor? Because I want to tell you something. In life, we're going to experience storms. But if we're like that tree, Brother Fuquay, that's planted by the rivers of water, Brother Greg, our roots are going to run deep. And because our roots run deep, the more prepared we are to weather the storm. And in today's world and society, clinging to the Word of God promises us help that makes us feel even more secure. You know why? Because we are the people of God. And we know the value. We know the worth of our anchor. I need to see the hand of every person in this room today who is lost without Christ Jesus. Heads are bowed all over the building. Eyes are closed. Nobody looking but me in heaven. I need to see the hands of anybody lost in this room today. I want to pray for you. God bless these hands. God bless these hands. I need to see the hand of every Christian today who is facing a difficult time in their walk with God. Come on, let me see your hand all over the building. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless the saints of God whose hands are raised all over the building. Then I want to assure you today that you've got an anchor in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the contrary winds of change are blowing, you're going to be, amen, on a solid foundation. Thank you for raising your hand. I've formed a visual of you in my mind. And I'm going to pray for you. The altar of God is open. We have a special couple of special needs that we want to anoint cloths for today and to pray. So I'm going to ask a few of my board members to come. We want to anoint these cloths on the behalf of those individuals. Praise the Lord. Lord, we love you. We give you thanks. Our ushers are already in place. This will also serve as our closing prayer. quote that's on our screen it says I'd rather go through the storm with Jesus than sail through life without him how about it today saints of God would you be comforted today in knowing that you had Jesus above all things that you had Jesus in the midst of the storms of life that you may face oh how powerful is that today that's powerful praise the Lord anybody else today Thank you, Jesus.